Hey, TK Show is sponsored by South County Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram, Northern California's number one volume dealer. Check them out at SouthCountyChryslerJeepDodge.net or drive a little and save a lot in friendly Gilroy. Coming to you from the San Jose Mercury News, the Bay Area News Group, it's the TK Show. Now here's your host, Tim Kawakami. Everybody, Tim Kawakami here with a special TK Show episode. Uh, always good to have on a friend of mine, former CEO of the Raiders, author, CBS commentator, future president of the United States. Everybody, it's Amy Trask. Amy, good to have you on. How are you doing today? Tim, I'm doing well. It is always my privilege and pleasure to join you. I love our chit-chat, but ixnay on the president thing, friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were in there for, for you know, some of the initial discussions about what the Raiders were going to do for a stadium, and now someone who's watching uh, as this has happened. A- any aspect of this seem odd to you, or was this the way this might have inevitably had to happen? Well... Maybe yes and yes. Uh, it it certainly um, is momentous. And surreal is an overused word at times, but it does feel a bit surreal to consider the team leaving the Oakland area and moving to Las Vegas. But I don't believe this is surprising. Um, the team has requested two times in the past year or so approval from the league to move. So, you know, to the extent actions speak louder than words, we know that the resources and the energy were committed to relocating. So in that regard, not a surprise. When you were there uh, with Al, uh, how much focus did he really have on, on that new stadium idea? Or, or was at, at, at some point, was he just not going to focus that much on it and his attention was going to be on the football team? Uh, It really depends on the time frame um, of which you speak, Tim. There was a time when he was focused on it in the waning years of his life. uh, His attention was elsewhere. And in those waning years of his life, he shared with me as we discussed the topic that the decision as to the next stadium location, if there was to be a new location, that is, you know, let me state that differently. You know, certainly a recognition that there needed to be a stadium in the team's future. But as to whether that would be in Oakland or elsewhere was a decision he wanted to leave to his son. Do you think that there was a deal to be made? I mean, you know, it's easy airy question to ask, but was there a deal to be made for the Raiders? And let's be practical about this for this Raider franchise, uh, for the Oakland political situation within that Oakland political situation. Was there a deal? Let's say when you were there, let's just be practical when you were there to be made. Well, I do believe there was a deal to be made and I'm going to answer that in two regards. Um, I do believe there is a deal to be made in Oakland had the team chosen to stay. And a very, very fair question that people then raise is, so then why didn't you do the deal, Amy? And that's sort of a, you know, I'm going to answer that in several ways. Number one is that which I just articulated to you. In the waning years of his life, Al said to me that that was a decision he wanted to leave to his son. Fair enough. But two, the political landscape in Oakland has changed quite a bit since I left the team. I left about four years ago. And as you know, 
Um, there's a new mayor mm-hmm. in charge now. I'm dubious that we could have gotten something done with the previous mayor, or if we could have gotten something done with the previous mayor, it would have been an, ent- you know, what, what's the expression from the Wizard of Oz? A horse of a different color. Mm-hmm. Um, Libby Schaff brings to the city um, a level of, you know, professionalism and, and a hard work ethic and a business savvy that her predecessor didn't have. So, you know, I I don't know that I can answer your question spot on other than in two ways. Do I believe there's a deal to be made in Oakland? Yes. Were those two factors, uh, the decision Al made to leave this up to his son and the change in Oakland government that would have made it considerably different four years ago than now? Yes, I do. When... Al was saying that Mark was is going to be the one to decide this. Was it Mark's deciding it now? Was Al saying it contemporaneously, or this would be something that's going to be decided in five to ten years? You know, was Mark working on it when you were there? Are, are we talking about while Al was yeah. alive, or yeah. after Al passed away, or right I mean, in that era? Right? In, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, if you, you can say either which way, but I'm just saying when you were there, was Mark Davis? actively looking at what the future was going to be for for the for the Raiders stadium. Uh, he be, he became very involved with the franchise upon his father's death. And so, you know, certainly he he was considering these issues after Al was gone. I can't tell you to what extent he may have been considering them uh before Al passed away. Uh to some extent, yes, I just I don't know the level of that and and I don't like to speculate. All right, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. The Fast and Furious sales event is going on now at South County Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Save thousands. Speed, style, and cars with a beast mode on the road. Some power, enough power, too much power? We've got them all on sale for this event only. Save $10,000 off the MSRP on a new 2016 Charger. Challenger and Charger Hellcats for just $5.89 per month lease. New Dodge Challenger, just $28.88. Ram trucks starting at just $129 per month. It's the Fast and Furious sales event at South County Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Drive a little, save a lot. We've talked about this before, and you've mentioned Levi Stadium many times. I've mentioned it, not not just from you, but from many different people. Seem like at least a, as a temporary place where you they, they could kind of regather and, and either decide to play there for a long time or, or stay there for five to six years and, and wait for the climate in Oakland to really clear up. Did, did you ever really get close to, to have, trying to hammer out a deal to, to get into that Levi Stadium with the 49ers? Well, we certainly didn't get close to a deal, but we certainly had very, very substantive, detailed, thorough discussions. And for a number of reasons, I believe that Levi Stadium posed a terrific alternative. You just identified some of them, Tim, which is, number one, it could have been a temporary spot, um, even if temporary is defined as half a decade or more, to perch oneself while pursuing that alternative in Oakland. Something else to remember is that when I was having those discussions with the 49ers, that was before the precise location of the stadium had been identified. So we would have had a role in collaborating with the 49ers and deciding where to place the stadium. Mm. And of course, when I was having those discussions, the stadium had not yet been designed and we would have had a role in the stadium design. So it wouldn't have had the feel of a 49er stadium in which the Raiders were playing 
look, the Jets and the Giants yep. designed that stadium together. Like it or not, it was a collaborative effort, and that's what we would have done. From an environmental standpoint, one stadium in a region makes a lot of sense if one only looks at it from purposes of, as I just said, an environmental perspective. But, you know, ultimately, uh, there was a lot of pushback. Well, you know, we don't want the Raiders to leave Oakland and go down and join the 49ers. And what I posited in response was, but wouldn't you rather the Raiders remain in the Bay Area mm -hmm. than perhaps leave entirely? It's, it's a balancing. Does it hurt you? I mean, you were with the team when it moved from L.A. to Oakland. Um, how much of that kind of harm that I mean just just the moving I'm just talking about just just the relocation just the kind of discombobulated feel you get and this obviously will be a big time one because there's going to be a delay in the actual move how difficult was that it, it does pose difficulties and look I like to keep difficulties in perspective these are all first world certainly, difficulties certainly. <laughs> these aren't difficulties of, of a life or death or, or a um a, a non- you know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, it's and, in sports world, I'm, sports world difficulties. But, right, yeah. right. It's business difficulties, sports world difficulties, not true life difficulties. But within that context, they are difficulties. And this is something I spoke to last year on CBS Sports, which is I think Jack Del Rio did a magnificent job managing the difficulties that have arisen in that regard over the last few years. Look, the team committed tremendous, tremendous um, resources, economic and otherwise, towards pursuing the Los Angeles opportunity. And when that dream was dashed, immediately turned those resources towards the Las Vegas opportunity. And yet Del Rio led not just the football team, but the organization as a whole through those difficulties. And I think he did an exceptional job navigating them. He's going to have to do the same thing in the next few years. As, as you noted, um, I wasn't with the team when Al moved it from Oakland to LA, but I was with the team when Al opted to move it from Los Angeles back to Oakland. And I know firsthand the additional difficulties on an organization that imposes. You practiced in L.A. for a year, didn't you, before, when, you when, when you moved to Oakland, played in Oakland? Right. The yeah. first year playing games in Oakland in 1995, all of our games were road trips because the decision to relocate was made so late in the football calendar year that we did stay in Los Angeles while playing in Oakland. How hard, but, you how, know, hard, how hard was that? You know, it, that was difficult. Um, but if I may, I'll, I'll sort of delve into a different difficulty. You've got an organization full of not only players and coaches, but front office staff, some of whom will be presumably, and I, I, I'm going to say this is the way it works around the league as a whole. So I'm extrapolating, if you will, to the Raiders. And by the way, having been through this with them uh, back in the 90s, I have some insight. But as a general rule, some staff are going to be asked or offered the opportunity to relocate with the team. And those individuals are going to have to decide, do we move with the team and pursue our careers? Do we yank our kids out of school? What about if we have spouses who have other jobs, careers? And there are going to be some staff who are told, you know what, thank you, um, but there's no place for you as we move forward. And so on top of all the player issues and the coaches issues you've got all those organizational issues and then atop the list you have heartbroken fans mm -hmm. yeah what what do you think they need to say to fans is there a message that mark davis and his management team need to 
to to throw out there to Oakland fans, Bay Area fans, the fans who who did not want them to leave, or you know they're going to still be around. But what what's the communication going to have to be like from a from the top of a franchise to their fans when something like this happens? Well, they've already communicated two things from a business perspective. One I think is magnificent, and the other I I find troubling. Uh, the team, as I understand it, and if I'm wrong, correct me, of course, but my understanding is that the team offered those who have already made deposits on season tickets for next year, who may no longer wish to purchase them because of the impending move, a full refund. And you know what? Good for them. Mm -hmm. I think that's magnificent. I think it's the right thing to do. And I give them all the credit in the world for so doing. On the flip side of that, a bit tone deaf maybe a better expression is insensitive to immediately blast season ticket holders with put your deposit down now for seats in las vegas that's just you know i know we don't often talk in business of that something not being nice mm -hmm. that wasn't nice yep yep it was a little jarring that's for sure uh yeah in, in the middle of all this do you think it's a good deal for the raiders just financially um I think it has the opportunity to be a very good deal. Uh, you know, what do we know about economic downturns? We know that in an economic downturn, the first thing to go is disposable income. We also know that economic downturns happen from time to time over the course of our lives. So, you know, while the economy is doing well and people have ample ability to um, spend whatever it is they choose to spend on travel or entertainment, then this has the opportunity of working very well. But if this country or the world stumbles economically um, in a significant manner, meaning either by a significant percentage or a significant percentage of t amount of time, you know, query whether people are going to spend disposable income if they even have disposable income to travel to las vegas and to attend games uh you know the other question is the strength of that business market and again that in turn just you know look when you think disposable income you kind of think las vegas right <laughs> yes so <laughs> it's kind of that definition of it definition right. of so, it so you know i think um I, I think it has the opportunity to work out well financially for the team and you know I also think there's a possibility it won't. I've written about this, and I truly do believe that Jerry Jones probably was the key guy in this just to, to backboard the whole thing and maybe guide Mark Davis to Las Vegas. Do, is there any worrying about that, that Jerry has such a strong role in so many of these different relocations, so many of these different stadiums, and, and maybe guided the Raiders out of Oakland uh, as kind of the, the capstone of it? Well, you know, I've heard different things from different people. Um, you know, some people have raised an eyebrow or raised a concern. Others are not concerned in the slightest. And I will say this about Jerry, having worked with him um, for many, many years behind those closed doors of owners meetings. He is, to his credit, very forthright and transparent about his involvement and influence in the league. There are 32 owners, each of whom has the absolute right legally and from a business standpoint to involve himself as much as he wishes in the business of the league some owners wield more power than others most are happy or desire um, doing so in a very quiet or off the radar screen manner 
Jerry's very transparent, very forthright, that he is involved in league business as a whole, and he's not at all hesitant to let people know that. So irrespective of whether people are bothered or not, and people are to differing degrees, one criticism that can't be leveled at Jerry is that he's doing this under the radar. And, and he was very close to Al, right? I mean, there's no question he, he discussed that. For a period that, of time. Yeah. For a period of time. Um, there were issues towards the end. Mm-hmm. But for it, there, there was um, there were things that caused Al great consternation towards the end. But for a period of time, you're absolutely right. Do you think Al would have liked that Jerry's the one who who was kind of making this happen? I don't think he you know, my my supposition is Al would have looked at the substantive decision itself without regard to how it came to pass. Mm-hmm. I, I've written this also that the, and, and you talked about it, how Al basically left this for Mark to do. Um, did, did, is, is this something that Mark had, you know, this was the last thing that Al had kind of had left undone. Was that kind of the understood in the franchise and that it was up to Mark to get this done? No, I don't think that was understood in the franchise at all. Those were discussions I had with Al. And look, I, I, I hope that what I said didn't sound at all critical. It was not, it, it, it wasn't a criticism or a complaint or, or anything of the sort, but when one is, um, confronting one's own mortality, and one knows one has limited years left, those are big, important decisions. And I appreciated and appreciate to this day how Al proceeded and the manner in which he communicated and his desires in that regard. So um, absolutely not a criticism whatsoever, just a just a fact. Yeah, and I, as I, I appreciated that he... He wanted the football team to win games. That was his whole life. That was what he concerned himself with, and that's what he put the money into. And we saw and, it. You know, there's no question and, about that. You know, you're absolutely right, Tim. And you know, I'm often asked um, about some of the decisions Al made with respect to player personnel and football matters over those last, um, you know, half decade or so of his life. And what I share with people, and, you know, it's not by way of excuse, but simply explanation, um, he wanted to win. You said that beautifully, Tim. He wanted to win. And he didn't have the luxury of looking at that on a long-term basis. And to those who have criticized him for making decisions in those final years that did not set the team up for long-term success or stated differently caused some short-term problems, my response is, Who among us can state with any conviction that when we are confronting our own mortality, whether we're in our late 70s, as as Al was, as he was confronting this, or mid to late 70s, or any age whatsoever, if we know we're confronting our own mortality, long term is going to have a very, very different definition. We're all going to make, you know, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. Mm. My guess is I will make different decisions when I'm 70 or 80 or any age confronting my mortality than I would at 30 or 40 or 50 or even 60 or at any time in good health. So to those who have criticized Al for those decisions as that time frame was unfolding, I say, you know, let those of us who think we'll make the same decisions in that situation raise our hand. Yep. And that's, as someone who was talking to Al during that time and asking him some questions that he didn't always love, I always respected the fact that it was coming from a true place. It was not hidden, It was, the, and it was Al saying, this is what I'm doing because I want to win 
now. And I think there was great clarity in that. And it didn't work out, but there was great clarity in that. And I also understood from, from different people that he understood that things had to modernize, you know, in that team. He understood that there were things that, that he had done in the 70s and 80s that, that he couldn't continue to keep doing forever. And there was some, he wanted to try to modernize, but he also was Al Davis. And he kept trying to do it because the way he knew how to do it. I'm, I don't, I'm not, this is not a question at all. I'm just, we're just talking here, but that's just my felt. And I, and I respected that about Al. And I think maybe he knew I respected that about him. We went back and forth a few times, but I think he knew uh, that there, there was a purity in Al that I don't know that we've gotten in many other people in sports. And well, I had a front row seat for some of those <laughs> back and forths. And, but, you know, you're 100% right, Tim. Uh, you know, he was true to himself. And um, he wanted to win before he left us. Yeah, uh, I just want to switch quick, quickly over some other th- topic that you you've talked about. You've talked about on Twitter. It's the Colin Kaepernick situation, and we we don't know what each team is thinking. Uh, and these are 32 decisions by 32 teams, uh, and many different people are in the front offices of each team and the coaching staffs. But as you look at this, are, are you disturbed uh, by the, the idea that he hasn't been signed yet? He's certainly. You know, you can think of him, value him in different ways, but he probably is one of the top 75 quarterbacks in the league, and he's not signed to any team currently. Uh, what's your take on how this has developed so far? Well, you know, you stated it beautifully. There are 32 different organizations owned by 32 different individuals, and each is going to evaluate that differently. Um, based on my experience with those individuals, I think there's only been one new one admitted since I left, Uh I know that there are individuals who will factor in the off-field or the political or however you want to define them, those issues. There are people, there are organizations who will factor in or rule out Colin based on that. There are other organizations who might not do so, but who are set at the quarterback position. There will be organizations who, you know, evaluate both. Um, I certainly... You know, what you have to really do is a Venn diagram of teams that need quarterbacks, teams that are going to factor in all of those issues, teams that may need a backup, may need a starter. And then you need to do that entire Venn diagram to find out where the best place for Colin Kaepernick is. And presumably his representatives are doing that. I hope he gets a chance to play. Um, And I've been asked a lot whether I think Al would have given him a chance. And the answer to that is... um, if he needed a quarterback. And so that's, again, that Venn diagram. I, I don't think Al would have been deterred by anything else. Yeah, it's a, the, the, the discussion about a potential black ball, um, and, and again, it, it's diffuse. You don't know what that really even means, but uh, do, do you think this is an uncomfortable discussion for the NFL or are or, or, or people in the NFL ready to say, okay, maybe we have to discuss whether politics really is a distraction or not, or his politics in specific is a distraction or not? I think it's uncomfortable for um, many people in the NFL. But again, there's 32 different owners, so it's not uncomfortable for all of them. You said that well, 32 different individuals making 32 different decisions. Um, I don't think it's mutually exclusive to say that some people will wipe him off their list of potential quarterbacks for what I believe are the wrong reasons. Um, And it's also fair to say some teams 
just don't need a quarterback, mm-hmm. whether they would or they wouldn't. Um, look, just like it's not mutually exclusive when I say I cherish our freedom to express ourselves, but I also cherish the men and women who defend and protect our freedom to express ourselves. When this issue came up, and you're right, I did address it on Twitter, um, one of the first responses I got was just, it said it beautifully. It was from someone in the military who said, I enlisted in the military to defend the rights of others to say that with which I disagree. And I think that's a sensational outlook. And I certainly hope that some team that does need a quarterback takes that outlook with respect to Colin. Yep. I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I don't think this, you know, this discussion has gotten a little wayward sometimes and writers are going at writers and maybe I've done that too, but I think it's a healthy discussion. I think as long as it's a fair minded, thoughtful way to look at each thing, I'm not getting, and I'm not criticizing any individual for having an opinion. I just want to make sure everyone knows that we all have opinions and we all have views. And, uh, as long as we can have open conversations, that's good by me. And I, I hope his career is not destroyed by this. I don't think it will be, but I also give him credit. He knew it might be when he started yeah. this. He, he said he, he knew. I hope he did know, and I believe he did know. Uh, um, I think you're right, Tim, in, in many regards. Um, he articulated that he knew that. And so you know what? He had the courage of his convictions. And irrespective of whether one agrees with Collins' convictions or not, hats on to him for literally, if you may, putting his money where his mouth is. Yep. And, and I think that's to be said, and I agree with you entirely. We have got to learn as a society to have civil discourse and to agree to disagree agreeably. Look, Tim, you and I disagreed on all sorts of things <laughs> when I was with the team and you were interacting with us in your role as a journalist. Yes. You know, you were a journalist, I was with the team, and you and I disagreed quite often. Yes. And you know what? We disagreed agreeably. Yes. And in a civil manner. And I think more people need to embrace that practice. I couldn't agree more with your agreement on all this. Uh, but I, I'm, that's why I, I always am glad to have you on. I'll ask you the question. One of the questions I ask everybody, we've, we've been through the, uh, their favorite restaurants. So I'll ask you another question. And you're, I, I'm sure you're a reader, Amy. What's, what's your favorite book? And it can't okay, be not- authored by Amy Trask either, by the way. <laughs> Okay. Um, You know what? Someone else asked me this recently. Um, They asked me, what book are you reading right now? And this is a favorite book of mine. I'm reading it for the umpteenth time. And I'm going to suggest to everybody, no matter your political views, no matter your views on anything, whether politics or otherwise, this is a really good moment in our country's life, if you will, to go back and read the Federalist Papers, the collection of essays that talks about or speaks to the constitutional foundation of our republic, the background of that constitutional foundation, the basis of that constitutional foundation. So, you know, maybe I'm a little dull. Um, I also read Nancy Drews and a lot of other sort of non-esoteric things. But right now I'm reading the Federalist Papers again, and I think it's important to do that. Man, you are going to be president. I wasn't no, just no, kidding no, there. no, 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 no. There's a lot, a lot of good people who should do that, and I will help them on their campaigns. But <laughs> let me let me put this in um, rec- wide receiver terms. I ain't going over the middle, Coach. <laughs> but you could take a hit. I know that. <laughs> you could take a hit and keep going. 
All right. Well, listen, Amy, I really enjoy talking to you. You know that. And uh, really, love to join you. Really. Thank Always you love for... our conversations. All right, everybody. That's Amy Trask, uh, CBS author, former Raider CEO, and just font of wisdom. Thanks. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you, Tim. All right. That's the show for today. Thanks. off the MSRP on a new 2016 Charger. Challenger and Charger Hellcats for just $5.89 per month lease. New Dodge Challenger, just $28.88. Ram Truck starting at just $129 per month. It's a fast and furious sales event at South County Chrysler Dodge Deep Ram. Drive a little, save a lot.